Well, we welcome you to Bible class this morning and welcome our KFUO listening audience. Today we're going to be discussing the three scripture readings that will be read on September the 17th, next Sunday. And the theme for that day, as we will see as we go through the readings, is forgiveness. So we'll move through the readings. We'll start with the Old Testament, and that is Genesis 50, 15 to 21. This is the very end of Genesis where uh, the end of the story of Joseph, and Joseph has been through so much, sold to Ishmaelites, thrown in a pit by his brothers, uh, so much in Egypt, and then his brothers come, and then this account is when Joseph's father, Jacob, dies. Joseph's father, Jacob, dies. All right, so we'll pick up at verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. They probably had reason to believe that. <laughs> they had earned it uh, with all they had done to poor Joseph. And now that dad was out of the way, Maybe it was time for vengeance, time for retribution uh, from Joseph upon his brothers. So, they tried to defend against that. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Early on, we know that the brothers had not confessed to Jacob what they had done. You know, they took back the, the, the coat of uh, that he had made for Joseph and uh, claimed that wild animals had killed him. Well, evidently, at some point through the years, they had finally confessed to their father what they had really done to Joseph. So, they quote Jacob to Joseph, please forgive them the transgression that they had committed against him. Retribution and vengeance is tough. I mean, I'm not even going to ask you the question, how many people have you ever wanted to get back at? Okay, we got lists, okay? We got lists, and some are high on the list, that we would like Vengeance, retribution. That is just part of being a human being and part of our sinfulness. 
that when we're mistreated by one, we want to see them mistreated, even if it's not us, by somebody as retribution. But notice Joseph's reaction. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. He wept because he was not going to bear a grudge. He was not going to seek vengeance. That was not his intention. And his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. So how does Joseph treat them? But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? You see, in many places, God says, Vengeance is mine. Don't you take vengeance. Vengeance is mine. Joseph is saying, I'm not going to judge. That's up to God. We're going to see that theme carried into the second lesson today, too. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph is seeing the big picture, the big plan of God. Joseph is seeing what happened and how God used what happened to him as a blessing to many. I mean, this was not easy on Joseph. He didn't have an easy life. Things were good now, but they weren't to begin with. But Joseph chooses to look at the big picture. God's intention of, was to use Joseph to save not only his brothers and their families, but thousands of people from the famine that had gone on for seven years. That's what Joseph is looking at, the good that has come out of this. All things work together for good to them that love God. Here we have an example. Did God want them to throw him in a pit and sell him? No. That was the evil sin of those brothers, but God used even that evil for good, because Joseph went to Egypt, became the second most powerful man there, and used the blessings of God to save untold lives in Egypt, beyond the lives of his own brothers and their families. So he's not, he's not holding on to the evil that was done to him in the past. He's looking at how God 
brought good out of it. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. And in this we see Joseph as a type of Christ, pointing us to the way Christ will deal with us. Will he deal with us according to his judgment? No. He will grant us his grace and his forgiveness, just as Joseph did. Is it unearned and undeserved? Absolutely. But still, Christ gives it. And Joseph, in his position, is the kind of pointing to the forgiveness that will be ours in Jesus Christ. So, the story of Joseph is already forward-thinking into how God deals with us. Not according to our sin, but according to his grace and his forgiveness. Now, this has a lot of applications in our lives. And, you know, we ask the question, well, what about the vengeance and what about the, the retribution? We've all had those thoughts. Instead, we are to forgive. We are to forgive as Christ freely forgives us. And to be a person of forgiveness, not a person of judgment. And as I said, we're going to see in the next lesson, it's not up to us to judge. Not us, up to us. So this is a, a very concrete example, story for us to illustrate forgiveness at its best, at its best. And that's why it's chosen as the Old Testament lesson on a Sunday where we emphasize forgiveness. Okay. Questions or comments? Yeah, Leslie. The question is, how do you minister to a person that always sees only God's judgment? And it's very difficult because they have a law mindset. Many times they'll say, what have I done to deserve this? Or, I know I'm evil, I do deserve this. They basically don't know the grace of God. They basically do not understand God's forgiveness. There's a couple of things they don't understand. They don't understand God's grace and forgiveness. But we as Christians are constantly having the thought that because we're Christians, nothing bad should happen to us in this world. And as soon as something bad does happen, we assume God is punishing us, and therefore we are under judgment, and therefore there is no hope. 
So those kinds of thoughts, who puts the thought in you that God doesn't like you? Satan. That's not a thought that comes from God. If God was going to punish you for every one of your sins, you'd have a lot of problems. A lot more than you've got. He protects us from many. But still, we are called as Christians to suffer in this world. His son did. You hear preachers say, well, you're God's child, you should have it all. Well, that's funny. He crucified his own son. He was his son. Suffering comes in this world. The glory comes in heaven. Suffering comes before the glory. You remember, the best illustration of that, or a great one is, when Jesus went on the Mount of Transfiguration, he wouldn't stay there. That's where the glory was. He wouldn't stay. Peter wanted to build three booths and stay. No. The suffering came first. That was a glimpse of the glory, but the true glory would not come till after the suffering. It's the same thing with us. Same thing with us. Other questions? So, to answer your question, the first thing you have to do is present the grace and forgiveness of God over and over. And then once they come to realize the grace and forgiveness, then you can talk about how everybody has suffering in this world. Yeah. All right, anything else? Yes. Well, the question is, uh, is there any indication the brothers were sincere or were they just trying to keep out of hot water? You know, there's one thing when your child does something really stupid, whether they're repentant just to prevent punishment or if they're truly sorry, ask Mrs. Profile, the principal. She deals with that daily, okay? We don't judge the heart. When we are in this world, we can't see the heart. If someone tells us they are sorry and asks for our forgiveness, we are to forgive them. God Back to that concept, am I God? No, God will judge the heart. We go by what they tell us. All right, let's go to Romans 14. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him 
but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. All right. First thing we have to talk about is who is the weak? Well, we all are. Weakness simply means the best definition, you believe, but you still have doubts. <laughs> and that's the way we all are at times. But let's take this, and this is dealing with eating, and let's think about what they were dealing with. In those days, in Rome, at times, there was, it was very difficult to find meat to eat on your table that had not been sacrificed to idols. It was very difficult to find. So one person would say, I'm not going to eat of that because it may have been worshipped to uh, offered to an idol. While the other person said, we're free under the gospel and all things are clean uh, according to Acts 10 and Matthew 15. Jesus himself said it, so it's okay to eat it. Paul is saying, neither is wrong. But for one, it bothers their conscience. If it bothers their conscience, don't do it. But don't judge each other based on an opinion like that. Not important. Not important. Because God welcomes both. God will welcome the person who eats the meat and he will welcome the person that decides not to eat it. That's not what determines whether God welcomes you. What determines whether God welcomes you? Faith in Jesus Christ. Not what you eat. Okay? So... Don't build a barrier between you and a fellow Christian over an issue like this. Don't run the risk of hurting someone's faith by taking some harsh judgmental position against them. It's not worth it because God welcomes both. Both people are acting out of their Christian convictions. Don't be judging others. Verse 4, 
Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. If you had a servant and he worked for another master, it's not your job to judge that servant and what kind of job he's doing. It's up to the master of that servant. Therefore, each and every one of our lives, God is the master. I don't judge you. God is the judge. God is the judge. That's not our business. You don't pass judgment on the personal relationship of the other person with his or her God. Okay? Unless you clearly see them sinning, that's one thing. But on so many matters, as he says, opinions, ways of thinking, there are things, matters that come up, and whether you do them or don't do them, it's neither sin because you're not earning God's righteousness. You're not doing these things to earn God's righteousness. They are matters of faith life. And we have to be careful with this because you can impose what you think is right on your faith life in your faith life on others you have to pray this time of day it's the only way it works no okay you have to have your devotion this time of day no you have to use this set of prayers no we could go on and on. We dare not impose our piety on others, because as soon as we impose our piety on others, it is the law. And the law condemns and does not bless and lift up. So in matters of things where Scripture doesn't speak, then you don't cast judgment on other people, whether they do or do not do something. God is the judge, and he welcomes them and will make them stand. Verse 5, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So the observance of days was... Um, probably referring to some were still observing the Jewish days, 
that were prescribed in the Old Testament. And some were not, because with Christ that wasn't necessary. But let's say there was someone who believes in Christ, but they were still observing Passover. But they knew full well, and the way they observed it, they were celebrating Passover, and Christ is the fulfillment of Passover. Well, that's fine. So don't be judging people on what days they celebrate or don't celebrate. It's back to that matter. And he says, those that are celebrating a certain day are doing it to honor God. And those that aren't, they're doing it to honor God. So don't be judging each other over matters like that. And then he comes to a passage we all know, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. When it comes to these matters, We are living to honor God, and therefore, one isn't wrong and wasn't, one isn't right. We live to the Lord, and we give each other the benefit of the doubt that they're trying to do that too, and they may be doing it in a little different way. And that's okay. We don't have to follow along lockstep. Now, certainly that's not saying, well, we can go sin any way we want. No. But there are different ways to honor the Lord. And each is about that. And then verse 9 is to remind us, for to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. So, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. That's God's business. Stay out of other people's business. It's not your task to be judge, jury, and executioner on everybody else and the way they live their Christian life. Now, certainly, if somebody's falling into sin, we talked about that last week, you admonish them, you talk to them in love and in care. But that's not what this is talking about. This is passing judgment on the way other people are seeking to honor God. And there's lots of ways to do it. So we don't pass judgment on each other when it comes to these kinds of things. Now, in the case of Joseph, that was even more serious. Joseph was not going to pass judgment 
on their evil. So Joseph wouldn't even go there. Paul's talking about matters that are neither condemned as sin or spoken of as okay. They're open questions. But Joseph took it even a step further. Not even going to judge them for evil. That's not my job. Our task is to proclaim forgiveness. All right. Comments about that lesson? Questions? Yes. Yes, uh, that would. And those clean laws, uh, what was clean and unclean, uh, Jesus spoke about that. First of all, in Matthew 15, he simply says that it's not what you put into your body that makes you clean or unclean. Therefore, he declared foods clean. Same thing happened with Peter when he saw the vision of the sheet being left, let down, and there were both clean and unclean animals in the sheet. And he was told to kill and eat. And he said, I don't want to, that's unclean, and he was told that was okay. Why is it okay? Because Christ, when Christ came, what makes us clean is not food we eat. What makes us clean is Jesus Christ's blood. Jesus Christ's blood. His righteousness is declared to be our righteousness. So, uh, yes, that was what it was referring to, the Old Testament laws uh, and, and what they were referring to. All right. All right. We're going to get to the gospel lesson now that certainly carries this through. Uh, a story, uh, an illustration, parable that Jesus has used, and we know it well. And Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Okay, Peter was trying to actually answer right for once, as many as seven times. Sounds good. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. In other words, there is no limit. We can't put a limit on that, should not put a limit on that. That's the difference between human judgment. You know, human, if you told a human being he had to forgive, she had to forgive seven times, you'd keep a sheet. You'd mark them off. And by golly, by the time you got to eight, it's just too bad. Okay? It's not what's being said. Unlimited, unending forgiveness. 
And then he tells the parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That is a huge sum of money. Massive. The kind of debt you could not work off. Too huge. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarii was a day's wage. A hundred denarii was a hundred days' wages, let's say three months' wages. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went out and till he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. All right. We want to look at this parable, first of all, for similarities and then for contrasts. All right. Both the people involved were indebted to someone else. Both of them. One to their master and one servant to servant. They were both in debt. Both of them were initially treated mercilessly. The master was going to sell this servant with his wife and children to pay the debt. And when this servant approached his fellow servant, he choked him. Okay? So both the initial reactions were merciless. Merciless. And third, both pled for forgiveness. 
with almost exactly the same words. The first servant said, um, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And the servant said, have patience with me and I will pay you. So they both ask for mercy. Now those are the similarities. What about the differences, the contrasts. First of all, there is a difference between the relationships between a master and a slave and a slave and a slave. That is drawing our attention to the fact that the master is the Lord over all servants. The other relationship points us to the fact that we are fellow servants with each other. None are above or beneath the other. Another contrast, the amount of debt. One was huge. In today's terms, we'd be talking millions, 10,000 talents, where the other was much smaller much smaller. Again, pointing out, in the big scheme of things, what is our debt to God? Huge. Can't pay it off. What is our debt to one another? Well, that's usually smaller things. Okay. Third, the responses. In the first case, the master forgives the servant. But the servant does not forgive the fellow servant. Now, the master's motivation, he has pity and compassion and forgives the first time. Pity, compassion, and he forgives. That is exactly the way God deals with us, okay, as the master. But his motivation changes when he learns that the servant didn't forgive his fellow servant. And then He delivers him to the jailers, and it tells us the motivation. Verse 34, in anger, not pity and compassion, in anger. Now, here we are dealing with the way that God deals with us. And he has two ways to deal with us the law, and the gospel. He will deal with you according to the law if that's the way you want it. If you try to save yourself, he will deal with you under the law. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, his Son, He deals with you according to the gospel. 
in dealing with you according to the gospel, we as fellow servants are then to deal with each other with the same gospel with which God dealt with us and freely forgive. If we refuse the grace of God to another, we place ourselves back under the law. And there isn't any in-between. There is no third category. God is either gracious and compassionate for Christ's sake, or he is an angry judge. There's no middle ground, one or the other. And what Jesus is saying is we are under God's mercy, compassion, and forgiveness for Christ's sake, but we can forfeit that if we refuse to show that grace and mercy to our fellow servants. The mindset here is that we've been freed from a huge debt by God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's our starting point with this parable. That first servant is us. It is us. We deserve the wrath of God. But for Christ's sake, God forgives us the debt. Now, Forgiveness is to be our way of life, our everyday way of life. It's to be our being in substance. Going back to the first lesson, we're not vengeful. We don't want retribution. We don't judge other people as to how they're leading their Christian life, we got enough problems on our own. We don't judge. What we are are the forgiven people of God, and as fellow servants, we are to forgive each other. Freely and unlimited in the amount. We never say, I won't forgive you. It's never to that point. It's never that to that point with God, with us. Every one of us in our lives has a sin that plagues us more than others. What if God says seven times and no more? We'd all be done by now. unlimited. And so, that's simply God's expectation for all of us. His expectation is 
that each of us will freely forgive as we have been freely forgiven. And that means over and over and over again, we freely forgive others. In fact, that's our desire to do so. That's what the Holy Spirit seeks to work in us. It's those thoughts of vengeance and retribution that cause the problem. But here, God is making it very clear of His great forgiveness, and then how that great forgiveness that we have received is reflected in our lives. And that's why this theme of forgiveness is so clear in these lessons. In Joseph's life, in the life of the Romans, we're reading through the book of Romans as the epistle lesson, but this one fits, okay? No judgment, we're living to the Lord in the forgiveness that He offered us. All right. Thoughts? Questions? Yes, Al. That is correct. That person may pursue justice through the kingdom of the left hand and the laws and the courts of the land. But as a Christian, they are also to freely forgive that person as they have been freely forgiven. It's one thing to receive uh, uh, a payment to pay you back. It's another thing to go after that person to make his life miserable as a grudge in hatred. That's different. Well, then uh, you need to call his pastor. If the contractor claims to be a Christian, too, then, then the pastor needs to get involved, okay? That's the fun things that we do. Miles? Uh, listeners, this is a dumb question. That's what, the, that's what he asked, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. Are we allowed to forgive the sins of one person against another person? Two, two general things here. First of all, we're to stay out of other relationships. And when we involve ourselves in those relationships, putting ourselves in the middle, we've got a problem. So it's best to stay out of it. 
those people have to forgive each other. You don't hold it against them because that's the way sinful people act. So in your own mind, yes, you say, well, they have Christ's forgiveness if they repent, but you don't put yourself in the middle of it. Yes, and, and that is true. I mean, usually when a crime is committed, it hurts many people. And the remedy is to let the law handle it, not you, by seeking your vengeance. You forgive, but you try to right the wrongs that happened to maybe you and other people. Yeah. Yes. We can all be offended by something we see between two people. Well, um, we will always, whenever something happens between two people and it hurts us too, then we are to forgive. Now, then we continue to have resentful feelings, but I believe that the Lord gave us a, a specific way to deal with that. And that's when he said, pray for your enemies. Because I'm going to tell you, if you pray every day for somebody, there will come a time you can't hate them anymore. There will come a time it will be love. May take a while, but the best way to get over hurt is to pray for the person that hurt you. And over time, your attitude, God will change your attitude about that person through prayer. Yes? Yes. Uh, feelings, uh, the comment is, feelings follow actions, and that's true. If your actions are vengeful, what are your emotions? But if your actions are to pray for the person, it's going to affect your emotions deeply. And so, um, uh, but in general, we don't interject ourselves into other people's personal problems unless they ask us. Yes? Yes. 
Right. The, the question is, when somebody does something to us and we are angry with them at the time, uh, even though we forgive them, uh, how do we deal with the anger? Well, the same way. Uh, we have to... Is it wrong to feel angry the first place? No. But to harbor the anger into a grudge, into a running battle, that's the problem. When it grows, becomes deeper, and uh, you all know people, all, uh, we all know people that are angry all the time. We all know people that are so bitter about things, you don't want to be around them, and, and their lives are miserable. And they've made them that way by holding a grudge by being angry about something that happened 30 years ago. Um, there are people like that. That's what, that's not a place where God wants us to go. Not a place where God wants us to go. All right, anything else? All right, let's close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.